So <clears throat> I'd like to talk to you a little bit this morning about ways in which we make trouble for ourselves and how we can avoid it. So in this practice, we develop some uh, calm, some focus, and then uh, apply it to seeing what is true about the way our experience unfolds. So learning to observe the experience of the body, the emotions, the thoughts, uh, and all of the other sense doors. So as we do that, we see that nothing lasts for too long. This is one of the characteristics, you could say, of the experience uh, that we have as human beings, is that uh, experience of the body, once you look at it, once you really pay attention, is constantly changing. The experience of emotions are constantly changing also. Experience of thoughts are constantly changing. But we don't always remember this, so I live as if this is true. And sometimes a thought will come through and we'll like really focus on it as if it's some uh, eternal truth of some kind and react to it in a very big way. So my favorite story about this is about the person who goes to a cave and paints a picture of a tiger. And then they look at it and they say, ah, tiger, and they run out of the cave screaming. So it's a funny story because, like, where was the tiger? They made it up. Right? But actually, if you reflect on what happens when you sit here breathing, minding your own business, nobody really bugging you, uh, you can see ways in which in, our, in your own mind there's constantly some creation of a story, this painting of a tiger, of something from the past, something from the future, something happening now. Uh, which then we believe, uh, we inhabit that world, we inhabit that world has, that has been temporarily created uh, until it collapses for some reason. Maybe the bell rings, or maybe a greater body pain arises, or we sneeze or something. You know. And then maybe we have a few moments of being with the breath until another world gets created, and then we inhabit that one for a while. Uh, with all the joys and sorrows of that imagined universe. So it's helpful to to get a handle on this process of being born into these worlds and passing away and how all of this doesn't really exist. You know, like so much of this uh, trouble is just uh, momentary creations of the mind that we believe in. And it happens both in the scary tiger kind of way, like what will happen or something that uh, bad. It also happens in the other way of the uh, imagined positive thing, that then we live in that created world. Pascal alluded to this in the beginning of the retreat when he was talking about uh, the training precepts and uh, this phenomenon that arises called vipassana romance, right? Where on retreat you're not talking to people, you don't see them, uh, you don't get to interact with them in a regular social way. But based on just some sight, you might have created some 
great beautiful vision of uh, who this person might be and fall in love with them. But you're making it all up. (laughs) So then in the mind, you might imagine your dates with them and how you'll talk to them after the retreat and then you'll go on mindful trips together and you'll have a, a lovely mindful home with maybe like some flowers and Buddha statues and uh, how good it'll all be. And But you actually have no idea who this person is, right? Like you're making it up in your own mind. And there's a quality with these patterns of mind that's like a sort of a kind of like in uh, like some forms, it's like insert photo here, you know. Like that pattern is just sort of waiting to uh, arise. There's like an energy of that pattern and then some hapless individual's photo gets stuck in the slot to be the next, uh, next one. Right? So it's helpful to take your mind with a grain of salt, basically, you know, to see these patterns arising and uh, not have to believe them so much. had the opportunity to be on a retreat uh, just prior to this for six weeks at the Forest Refuge, uh, which is kind of next-door um, self-retreat facility. So everyone's in silence there, and I was in a... Um, they put me in a small um, house. I was in the dorms for some of the time, and I was in a little house kind of thing. So I didn't actually have human neighbors in this house, but I had plenty of like animal neighbors and insect neighbors. And uh, in San Francisco, where I live, it's actually a very uh, densely populated neighborhood. There's a lot of people, and as it is in the city, people are constantly kind of rubbing up against each other in different ways, and in conflict and things like that. So I noticed at one point I started to have this relationship with my insect neighbors that completely mirrored my relationship with my human neighbors in my neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, so a bee started to build a, a build a home inside of one of the windows, you know, between the window and the screen. Like the window was cracked open, so it moved in and started to build a hive. So at first I was kind of like, what, what are you doing there? A little suspicion and dismay, but not wanting to get involved too much, you know. <laughs> then, then it became more clear what was happening. I was like, oh, I don't think I like this. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I don't like what the neighbors are doing. <laughs> but, you know, the neighbor m- might be hostile, so I don't want to directly <laughs> engage with the neighbor. So then, uh, you know, I came up with different strategies to... Um, First, I thought, well, maybe if I close the window, it will decide it's not a good place to uh, to build the house, right? But then I was like, oh, but I don't want to suffocate it. So then I thought, well, I'll make noise. I started banging on the window. I don't know if bees have ears, but that didn't phase it at all, you know. And then, um, then I, I remembered that they don't like smoke, so I found some incense. So I lit some incense and put it up there, you know. Uh, and... Uh, Finally, it, 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 it wasn't going with a few sticks of incense, and I took the whole bunch of incense I found, <laughs> right, stuck in a big jar, like giant billows of smoke, and then, uh, then that did convince it that it was a bad place to build a home, so it left, and uh, I closed the window. But 
in all of this, I could see like, yeah, there's the kind of the same attitude that I have uh, towards uh, the human neighbors sometimes. You know, it's like, oh, what are you up to? I'm not sure I like this, you know. Um, and then that same time, up in the front door, there was another uh, kind of insect that was around in the summer that are like, um, they're like these caterpillars that, that come on sort of spider webs. So up in the front door and there's like a bunch of them hanging there, you know. <laughs> so again, I was like, huh, what are the neighbors doing? I don't, I don't think I like this, uh, you know. <laughs> so in all these cases, actually, they weren't, you know, even though they were bugs, they weren't literally bugging me, you know, like I could have not had that kind of conflict with it. So it's like, oh, it's good to see the patterns of mind and the ways in which uh, the mind can make things worse than it is and then create a whole commotion, like a whole levels of suffering uh, that don't need to be there. So there's a a story for the um, Buddha's Enlightenment night. Some of you may have heard of uh, him deciding he's going to sit until he's able to see through everything, until he's awakened. There's a longer preamble to the story, but I'll just tell this portion so on the, the night of his awakening, he's sitting, and it's said that he was assailed by the armies of Mara. Right? So Mara is like this uh, kind of demon trickster sort of character in the Buddhist uh, stories in which uh, he wants all of us to stay uh, cycling around in this like world of sense desires, grasping it things in the material world and all this, right? So he basically is trying to knock the Buddha off his seat. So he's sitting, just as all of you are sitting, right? And then he's assailed from one side uh, by these armies of all these beautiful things he could be doing instead of seeking enlightenment, right? So all the things he gave up when he left his home life to be meditator, the beautiful food and music and sex and all the beautiful pleasures of art and everything he could have. So, but he sat steady through it. He just allowed those to roll through the mind. And then came the other army of Mara, which was frightening, terrible things. So it's like uh, all these scary images and uh, troubling things and horror and also meant to knock him off his seat, but He sat steady through them. Just allow them to roll through. And then the last army of Mara is supposed to have been the army of doubt. So Mara says, who do you think you are to be sitting here on this quest for awakening? Like, who are you to do this? So this is also something that can, like, knock you off your seat. And in this statue like this, he's got his hand like this touching the ground, and it's said that he... I just touched the earth in this gesture meant, you know, the earth itself bears witness to my right to be here, to seek enlightenment. So this is my birthright, this awakening, uh, this resting in the truth. And at that moment, all the armies were dispelled and he was, uh, he was free. So we face this in some way, you know, any time that you choose to sit, you don't know what's going to show up in the mind, you don't know what's going to show up in the body, you know, what's going to show up in the emotions. And uh, sometimes it can feel very much like you're being assailed by these armies, 
you know, these armies of Mara. And uh, so our challenge is to gain facility in being able to sit steady. And in the process of learning, of developing, you're going to get knocked off your seat like thousands of times, and that's okay. But as we can start to see through some of these patterns as not me, not mine, not permanent, not actually existing in some way, you know, temporary arisings of sight, of sound, of image, it's possible to not be moved by them in the same way, not be knocked around by them. And then we can find some stability of heart and mind that's not dependent on either internal or external conditions of experience. So in this uh, retreat also, when I first got to this house, I was sitting um, in the ground floor once. And sometimes in different uh, periods of practice, it seems like... um, sort of a spool of similar things starts unrolling. You might have noticed this. Sometimes it seems like like all these memories of beautiful things or all these memories of terrible things. I had one sitting where I was there and uh, I follow the news uh, like relatively closely what's happening in the world. I care about the world and uh, engaged in some way. So I had kind of replayed all of these terrible images that I had seen of things that happen in the world, you know, people being harmed in different ways. But then at some point, I, I, I mostly I was able to be steady with it and just see them passing through as images and um, feel if there's an associated reaction, response of a pain or sometimes compassion uh, with that. And then it occurred to me like, oh yeah, this is the armies of Mara. Oh yeah, this is one of the armies of Mara, these horror armies coming through. And then the phone rang in the house, which I didn't even know there was a phone, actually. Uh, And uh, there was an answering machine upstairs, and it went, uh, call from, toll-free number. I was like, oh, of course Mara has a toll-free number. (laughs) Call me anytime, Mara says, you know. But I was like, not picking up, not today, Mara, not today. Yeah. So see if you can recognize when these when the call is coming, you know, when Mara's trying to get you to pick up on this and yeah. You don't have to pick up, just let it ring. <laughs> let it go. Just like telemarketers or, you know, whoever it is. Now, particularly with repetitive thoughts that come through, I'd say one um, tip on working with that. If it's the same content of thought that comes through once, twice, three times, um, be particularly attentive not to attend to the word content of the thought. In general, if thoughts are not that sticky, you can just watch them go by, let them come and go. Uh, these repetitive ones, what it's helpful to do is to drop your attention to feel in the body what is the emotional fuel kind of underlying that. So rather than engage with the story of the thought, uh, allow yourself to feel in a very intimate and visceral way, okay, what's here? Sadness, is anger, is fear? And be with the direct sensations of the energy in the heart, in the belly, 
and the throat, wherever you're experiencing it. So feel the movement of that energy, which is always going to be impermanent, which is always just like a passing weather pattern in some ways. You can let the story roll on if it's there, like they did this, and I did this, and next time I'll do this, and why don't they do this? And you know, But keep the attention with the energetic uh, fuel, if you will, that's kind of underneath that storyline. And observe how that is just passing energy moving through. Now you still have, might have to do that a couple of times, and then if, if that itself has gone through a couple of times, you can inquire with awareness, is there something even underneath of that? So underneath of the anger, is there actually a, a sadness, uh, a fear, a loneliness, something? You know, and then drop to that level. And all of this that I'm describing is done using your awareness. So not by thinking about it like uh, when I was a child, X happened. And, you know, so that's kind of another storyline. So in this modality, that modality can be good in its own way, but in this modality that we're practicing here, it's being able to bring awareness to seeing what's happening in this particular moment uh, in the body, in the heart, in the mind. So we can practice with this uh, this morning, a little noticing emotions, thoughts, trying to see the ways in which we paint tigers or beautiful shrines and inhabit them. And uh, yeah, just it's good to have a little sense of humor with your mind to see how how crazy it is sometimes, and see that you don't have to believe everything you think. And the body is always a helpful friend in bringing connection to presence in this moment. So we can start by feeling the body sitting here. Allowing the body to relax, particularly in the muscles in the jaw and eyes, face and shoulders. And taking your intention to keep your seat this period as best you can.
So we can play with this a little bit of noticing thoughts and images and reactivity to them. So we'll start with something fairly neutral. Just to recognize a thought as a thought, that there is thinking happening. So you can bring to mind an image of the shoes that you were wearing here today that are patiently waiting for you in the hall. So you might see an image arise and then maybe it's gone. So this is an object in the field of the mind thinking. And you can notice if there's any emotional response, if you have any sense of affection or dislike towards your shoes. But maybe nothing. Maybe it's just able to arise and pass away. So this image is not yours. It's not permanent. It's not you. It's just like a slide. Come in a slideshow. bring up another thought to play with. Maybe you can think of uh, your address. What is your address? So it might have arisen as an image of the letters, the words, maybe as a sound of you saying it or someone else saying the words. is a temporary object that's arisen in the field of the mind. It arises, it passes. You can notice if there's any response, energetic response to that. Notice also if there has developed any tension in the jaw or face or shoulders, even from these few thoughts being planted. If so, just relax. Sometimes the exhale is a good time to relax.
uh, invite you to bring up an image of something that is slightly irritating or bothersome to you. Don't pick the hardest thing that's going on in your life, but uh, something that has some negative uh, feeling for you. It could be a habitual thing, like some chore someone doesn't do at home, or some habit people have on the road, or that could be one particular thing. So as you bring up that image, that memory, imagining it, you can notice what happens in your body. Notice if there is a corresponding emotional reaction of irritation or tension, anger. And drop the attention into the body, into the heart, to feel what that feels like. Notice the temperature change. Notice if there's a sense of contraction. Notice how the energy is changing and moving. Could be getting bigger, could be shrinking, could be fading. Continue to be with the breath at the same time as that or in between checking into it. This can be an anchor for our attention to help with this steadiness with keeping our seat. So we can clear the slate of the mind now, like connect to your breath. If it helps, you can take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, try to let that go. And notice how that was just created in the mind from thinking about it. So feel the body sitting here, feel your connection to the ground, the chair, the cushion, the earth. So now we'll bring to mind a a positive thought. So you can think of a place in nature or in a city or some place where you feel very happy, happy and at ease. And it could be a place you go to now or even a place from your childhood that you haven't been or... So 
So you can just imagine that scene of that place, wherever it is, in, inside or outdoors. Imagining yourself there. And while you do that, you can drop the attention to feel how it is in the heart, what it's like in the body. So what's this emotion or feeling like? If there's a sense of happiness, or <coughs> peace or ease, wistfulness, whatever it is. So this is just another weather pattern moving through. Can we be with this energy and allow it to move through? Sometimes with the positive energy patterns, we try to cling to it or hold on to it. This is also not possible. Notice if there's a center, the edges of it, how it moves and changes. We can allow that to fade away. If it helps, you can reconnect again to the feeling of yourself sitting here. You can take a breath in. As you exhale, settle into being present. So you can just stay with the experience of sitting here breathing and be particularly interested in if any thoughts happen to show up, what they are, that they are here. They're interested in the process of thought, that it comes, that it goes, that it's not mine or me. And if there's some associated emotion or mood, you can feel what that feels like, also noticing how that's not me or mine in some way. So now we freestyle.
So becoming mindful of uh, thoughts and emotions is uh, in some ways a little harder than mindfulness of the body because thoughts are such slippery devils. They're so quick, very quick. So don't strain too much to try to catch them all. Just whenever you can, know that you're thinking, know that you're thinking. And it can be interesting, even in the walking practice, primarily uh, it's helpful to stay with the experience of the body and sense of hearing, sense of being present. But sometimes when the mind becomes obsessed with something, it's particularly noticeable how it's all being made up. Because you're actually standing there seeing different experience, but the mind is obsessed with some other concoction. You know, so you can just observe all of this with compassion, because you're not the only one uh, living in these tunnels of delusion. We all are, are swimming in it and don't know it. Right? But I uh, can uncover some freedom from being able to just see through these things. We don't need to kill them or make them not be there at all. So just learning about the way the mind works and the ways in which suffering gets created. And it can pop as quickly as it gets created too. It's helpful to remember. So there's uh, some other group meetings that we have today, but um, maybe for those who don't have groups today or not this morning particularly, you can see if there's any questions or you want to ask about your experience or about the instructions we've given so far. Yeah. I've never been so tired in my life. <laughs> like I slept through all the breaks yesterday, the allowed breaks, in like, like nine or ten hours both nights. Yeah. Yeah, never been so tired in his life, he said. <laughs> so you're wondering, uh, what's up with that? Or, uh... <laughs> yeah, I've done stuff before. So. <laughs> yeah, I'd say a couple of things. One is that, I mean, sometimes um, when people come to retreat, it's been really busy getting ready to go somewhere else and so uh, you just have had a busy life and so you're actually just tired right as part of it and we don't often uh, allow ourselves to get the rest that we need you know so then giving ourselves the space where we don't have to be busy then uh, the body the mind kind of is like oh like finally can relax into it also, sometimes the, the, uh, it takes a while to get used to a very quiet environment. You know? So sometimes the, the body, the mind is like not used to not having a lot of um, stimulation or stuff to do or busyness. And so uh, there's a sense of like, oh, hmm, nothing's going on. It must be nap time. Like, you know, right? <laughs> uh, but it's okay, you know, like, I think, to let yourself rest as you need to, but um, can also be kind of curious even about that process as you are uh, interested. Like, why I'm not necessarily even in the why am I sleeping so much, but like this transition between being asleep and being awake is something that we, happens every day for us. Um, but we don't usually investigate that. Like, who is it who falls asleep? You know, what is, what is it that falls asleep? What is the difference between being asleep and being awake? You know, when you first like wake up, what changes in your experience? What is the sense of self that gets created? Or is there a different relationship to the body? You know, in the falling asleep process, what is that like? Like what happens in the mind? What happens in the body? 
So you can just be curious if you're interested in that, you know, just like a little curious about that. Or even, you know, with sleeping sometimes where people have dreams and I think actually the relationship that we have to dreams um, can help us to understand a relationship we could have to waking thoughts also. So usually if you wake up and you kind of remember like, oh yeah, I had a dream, like it was this and that and there were these animals and whatever. But we don't literally believe everything in the dream. You know, we might sort of muse about it and there's some insight in it and then we let it go. So usually there's this idea like this dream visited me in some way or something like that, right? Like it was like an apparition. So it's actually possible to have somewhat similar relationship to waking thoughts, to not take them all as literally true, completely true. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot to be learned even from that transition, sleepy, wakey, but you're not alone. It's a very common thing people have. Right. Got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I would say, so first you can notice like that your mind is already worrying about this now, right? <laughs> right, yeah. So the mind is already like uh, sort of created a new problem now. <laughs> Even based on like what seems to be a helpful experience, right? The mind is like, oh, look, let's make this a problem now. That, that I need to figure out and that could be either successful or failure at and, you know, all this stuff, right? So that too is like just a pattern, right, of the problem solving, as you see, like the mind creating a problem. So I'd say one is as that thought arises now, you could be like, okay, like don't need to think about that now. Don't need to figure it out now. And in fact, the best thing I could do to uh, contribute towards continued learning when I go back to my non-retreat life is to just do the practice here, which equals not spending a lot of time in scheduling problem solving <laughs> as, as that's unnecessary, right? So we'll talk about it more, um, you know, probably the last uh, morning because I think this is a question a lot of people have. Um, but I would say a couple of things. One is that, you know, like learning anything, it does help to have some time to practice. You know, if like if you want to learn violin or Spanish or Portuguese or... Uh, basketball, you know, like you have to practice, right, with any new thing. And, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of practice of whatever foreign language or musical instrument, or in this case meditation, um, is a good habit for continued learning, right? Uh, And it does then require a trade-off of, like, waking up earlier or a little less sudoku or, you know, uh, something or another. But, you know, you can fit it in as seems possible, also, though, I think equally important um, is not to just see the practice as only the sitting practice. So uh, to find different points in your life where you can remember to be present in different ways. 
And it's one of the ways in which, you know, being on retreat where we're doing a lot of other common things like taking a shower or washing a dish or standing in line, uh, the extent to which you can learn to practice with those moments uh, can contribute to you finding more moments of punctuation, of waking up in your regular life too. So aside from that, you know, ideally like 20, 30 minute regular sitting time, if you found like five other times of like five minutes or three minutes or two minutes even, um, that helps to build some continuity and the learning uh, can continue. But we can talk about it more also at the end. Just something that is uh, kind of interest, uh, interesting to me uh, these days because of a comment that a teacher I was teaching with uh, a couple of weeks ago said. And I'll tell you actually the story of what happened. So the, the teacher is giving their instruction and I'm sitting like here, like this. And something happened just before, so I'm partly listening to the instruction because I'm really interested in what the, this teacher has to say about the Dharma, but I'm also like kind of running through what happened in this other situation. So I'm, th- I'm thinking of the other situation and, and uh, this happened and I have to fix this and later, so there's a lot of before and after in my mind. And I'm, I keep like, I actually want to know because it's real. They they really say good stuff, you know. But my mind is a, is a little bit hooked on the story, and there's something unresolved, and that I have to fix, you know. And so I'm doing this, and at some point the teacher says, um, you know, they were talking about the fact that there's only now really that you know try to bring your awareness later or your arm or feet later or in the past, you know. It's just it's just now, and then they said. Just imagine if there was no past or future, what of your thoughts right now, and I'm in the middle of like, that happened, and what will I do later? <laughs> and they just, I, I'm, there was a little opening when they said, imagine if there was absolutely no past, no future, it didn't exist. And suddenly, it was like, wow, so I'm dealing with a thought, like, I'm, like it's what's here that is important important like i'm not even noticing the energy with who with which i'm obsessed about what happened or what will happen like i'm focused on something that actually doesn't exist do you see what i mean so i think for you also when you go like okay when i go home it's like uh, it's it feels like it's an invitation to live vertically instead of like horizontally next week at home you know like hold on what's the energy here now how am i holding this am i training more agitation or am i training right now am i living in compassion for this being who's like creating a thing over there you know like an invitation to get really vertical like here now what's the quality of this mind here now that is like oh my god i need to integrate this you know What's happening here now? This is what's being trained, you know. So, in, in this way, it can be so radical. Um, 
I remember you talked about um, obsessive thoughts and how to manage them when you're awake. But I had like very vivid dreams last night. Like it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, so I wanted to know, like, how do you just get back into being present if you know the dream? just feels very vivid. Mm. Yeah, so she's describing having had very vivid dreams and yeah, she's describing how to uh, work with obsessive thoughts in the waking life, but then after you have some intense dreams, then how do you uh, become present again? Yeah, so in some ways similar, um, where you know the dream happened and you can remember, like, okay, that, that's something that happened, and but there's some residue, right, sort of energetic residue in the body of reaction to that, whether it's fear or upset or anything like that. So without even needing to sort of go back and analyze the dream, actually just feel what's here now. You know, if it's the fear or, uh, like, what sort of energy is it that's there from it? Like, disturbed, sense of disturbance. So, yeah, so then, in some ways, kind of like if you would, um, like, if you had a friend or, like, a little kid who was like, I had a bad dream, it was so hard, you know, you'd be like, oh, okay. Mm, tell me about it, like, you know, just be with it. And instead of telling about the story, feeling like what is the emotion or uh, sense behind it. So it's kind of, sometimes if you ask kids of a certain age, you know, they start like telling you a story or like their dream, but they don't make any sense. Like they're not like, uh, they're not that clear. (laughs) Like you don't understand what they're actually talking about, but you feel the energetic, you know, you feel that they're sad or they're angry or they're, you know, so even if you don't understand, they're like, the worm and the horse and the... You know, it, doesn't, it actually doesn't even matter, right, like what the story is or whether you understand like what the heck they're talking about, but it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, so in some ways it's like that with yourself. So it doesn't matter what the dream was or what the, you know, just being with the energy of that and noticing then that energy is also sort of moving through. And if it still feels like very difficult too, really the, the body is super helpful. You know, just feeling the body in the ground, taking a breath, noticing sight, uh, smelling the air, you know, allowing yourself through the other senses to really be grounded in the present. Um, and that can help also like any time when, either in sitting or walking, if there's something really intense that's kind of like grabbed you, like allow yourself to notice that you're seeing what's here now. Notice the sounds that you're hearing. Um, so in that way, it kind of fully, uh, more fully grounds you in the present, uh, which the seeing, smelling, hearing, and uh, tasting, touching does more. It's mostly the mind that's like the trouble, troublemaker. Yeah. Go. So maybe we should stop. We have some groups uh, this morning and... Um, Yeah, they're optional. If you'd rather stay in silence, that's okay. But if you do have a group, then please uh, come directly as you leave here so we can uh, get started with that. So enjoy the walking practice. And uh, yeah, remember the continuity. If you can begin being aware of what it feels like to stand up and move towards the walking, and then as you're doing walking, and then feel what it feels like to hear the bell to come back. Um, It builds some um, powerful strength of being able to notice, being able to uh, have insight or be present. So, So enjoy it.